Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is, whoa, it's January 1st. 2021 it's so futuristic strong hand long-term thinking bitcoin is next bitcoin unconfiscatable this game is not rigged conviction i'm offended by selling five digit realm do you remember just like a few months ago people were saying is will we ever return to ten thousand below ten thousand well, is anyone saying that now? Okay, we've got some great guests here that are going to talk about the year that was and the year that will be. Brian Jacoto is here. We got Al's Lacrosse and we got Phil Geiger in, in the house to uh, celebrate. Uh, I'm sure everyone is feeling great after partying like rock stars last night, hopefully. And so we'll start with the big partier of them all uh, down in the state of Texas. It's uh, Phil. Uh, welcome to the show, Phil. And I want to say you you tweeted out something uh, today, this morning, uh, and I want to get this off our chest here so people don't panic. People don't think something's wrong with uh, Michael Saylor. I will sum it up. Uh, Nick Carter summed it up very nicely. This is a, a story from the New Republic. Uh, embedded no-coiner journalist is mad about de minimis settlement Sailor entered into with the SEC based on violations that occurred in 1989. Saved you a click. The accused fraudster behind the Bitcoin boom. Michael Strategy, MicroStrategy CEO Michael Saylor has invested billions in Bitcoin. Can we trust him? Or the cryptocurrency skyrocketing value? Oh, man. Is this what we're in for in 2021? Fake news about uh, Michael Saylor uh, and uh, something that happened in 1989? Phil, take it away. Well, thanks for having me back on, Adam. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to continue to see a bunch of news like this from salty no-coiners as the the price of Bitcoin skyrockets to the moon this year. So really, the, the article is, is certainly not worth reading. Um, he makes some general uh, statements about Bitcoin, you know, wasting energy, boiling oceans, murdering babies. Uh, and then he talks about a mistake that Michael Saylor made uh, you know, 32 years ago. Um, so I don't know about you guys. Uh, I've also made a few mistakes in my life. I'm, I'm mostly perfect, but not 100% perfect. Um, <laughs> and a civil case from 1989 uh, is, is pretty weak. That's weak sauce. So this guy, you know, what I really think he's doing is he's working for a company that is uh, kind of on its way out. This model of uh, blogging or journalism, uh, people are waking up and kind of thinking that, oh, or realizing really that it's not super valuable. You know, if you click on the link, there's a paywall that pops up. Uh, so he's really just farming for clicks. And uh, you can just tell by his responses on social media that uh, either he just has no idea about Bitcoin or he's going with the uh, sort of Francis Coppola, Amy Castor troll uh, just to, to farm engagement for his really weak article. It's interesting you bring up those quote unquote ladies there. And uh, it, it's it's going to be a thing in 2021. Bitcoin is on fire. Why not uh, try to build your reputation on being like the anti-Bitcoiner? And uh, and because surely there's some bitter people out there that are 
you know, are disappointed that they didn't, you know, they locked themselves up in their basements for, for a whole year and they didn't, uh, they didn't get into Bitcoin. Uh, before we move on to, to happier news, do, do any of the panel, the other two panel members, do you have anything to say about the, uh, I, I, you probably didn't read this horrific uh, article uh, that was basically clickbait fake news, but uh, about fake news of 2021, possibly uh, just going after uh, Bitcoin. I have a couple of thoughts on this article in particular, uh, one of which is um, with Sailor in particular. You know, if you're going to make arguments like that, let's hold the standard equal for everybody. So anyone involved in finance or government who ever had any sort of uh, ethical issues going back to 19, what was it, 89? Yeah. Uh, therefore, they're invalidated. So that includes everyone, I would believe. Um, find find too many people at the Fed or Treasury, um, whether it's uh, the Mooch or um, Mnuchin or who else? Um Jamie Dimon, anybody, uh, anybody with Wells, Wells Fargo, if they all have perfectly clean records going back to 1989, <clears throat> I will accept that the U.S. dollar is the pure alternative to Bitcoin. Besides that, I, I think we, we don't need to uh, give too much credence to that, that argument. Um, and the New Republic itself, there's a whole movie about how they were fake news. If you've ever seen Shattered Glass, they were really a pioneer in the field. So, you know, if we're going to do this guilt by association stuff, we can start with them. Wow. Very good point. Pound that like button. I didn't even know you read the article. It was like last minute. I saw Phil tweet about it. I'm like, we got to bring this up here. Uh, Brian, any any thoughts on uh, fake news? Yeah, <laughs> I, would just, I would just echo them on that. I mean, look at Wells Fargo and J.P. Morgan Chase and the big banks that have the, the, the sweetheart deal with the Federal Reserve who issues them dollars first before anybody else. And yet they pay out billions and billions of dollars of fines every year for illicit activity or being uh, uh, related to illicit activity. Um, and, you know, no one even, you know, uh, bats and I bats, bats and eyelash at it uh, and they and they, you know, they ex deal exclusively in dollars. So if you want to like talk about fines being a, a proxy for whether the underlying currency is, is uh, useful, I think we should start with Wells Fargo and J.P. Morgan Chase and, and, and all of that. I mean, it's kind of amazing to me how simplistic the fake news media can be sometimes. They're like and people fall for it. Like rich man bought lots of Bitcoin, did something bad in 1989. Thus, Bitcoin is horrible. I, I, the, these connections, they're, they're so far-fetched, but people people buy into it. And, they, and sadly, it'll probably keep some people uh, as no-coiners. Like, oh, I don't want it, it sounds corrupt. If someone did something bad in 1989 and now they're buying a lot of Bitcoin, I, be, I better avoid this Bitcoin. By the way, how many people watching this show were born uh, – before 1989 probably not that many all right so let's uh let's move on from that insanity and but and also people since 2021 here's one of my predictions you're going to get a lot more whack stories like that okay from from those ladies on twitter or for whatever people trying to make their name off of hating on bitcoin and creating all sorts of conspiratorial like stories like that so i want also want to get another news story out of the way and i think this is it sounds so much worse than it really is it's, it's a big nothing burger for me but fincen wants u.s citizens to disclose offshore crypto holdings of more than ten thousand dollars now we're, we're going to talk about the the, uh, the other treasury uh demands which are a little bit you know the wallet the wallet laws and, and whatever that we're going to have to deal with in 2021 but uh i guess brian we'll start with you you're you're in, into law and whatnot uh FinCEN wants U.S. citizens to disclose offshore crypto holdings of more than $10,000. Any any thoughts on that? Um, I, yeah, I mean, that I, I, I really don't have a 
great deal of thoughts on it. I mean, you're, you're offshore. The way crypto, it's just, it's such an antiquated way of looking at, at, at Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Like when I move offshore, theoretically and very technically speaking, my, my cryptocurrency is now offshore. So you, you want me to report it every time I leave the jurisdiction. It, it's, it's kind of silly when you think about it. I mean, I suppose they're targeting if you have it on some exchange somewhere offshore. But uh, as a practical matter, you know, Bitcoin and crypto is everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Uh, and it, it just, it, you know, with this and then the, uh, the other FinCEN rule that they came down with um, regarding you know, KYCing wallets off of the exchange, it's just a very uh, antiquated way of looking at trying, like, trying to trigger compliance and, and KYC uh, rules from past. And I, I mean, I don't agree with, with either of these. And, uh, I, you know, I'm hoping the notice and comment period that, you know, got quite a bit of, uh, you know, quite a bit of a buzz over the last few days, last few weeks actually triggers FinCEN to stand down on this because it's, I, I just think they're, they're bad regulations. They're, they're overly broad and they're under effective in what they're trying to achieve. So, I mean, on both ends of the scale, they, they just don't make a whole lot of sense. So I'm hoping they, uh, they pump the brakes uh, pretty soon. All right. We, we will talk in depth about the uh, FinCEN wallet rules uh, very soon. Uh, for me, this this article it, it shows how the regulators might be I, I don't know if they know what, what the heck they're even talking about like if you happen to be dealing with a foreign exchange it, it, you're dumping your bitcoin or whatever you some other thing you're let's say you're doing a smart thing you're, you're getting rid of your ripple on some exchange in asia and you've been keeping the ripple there and uh, but you, you for some reason you haven't dumped it yet and this rule comes into effect or whatever well you just uh you, why even keep your coins on a foreign exchange? It's so easy to avoid doing something like that. Uh, mm -hmm. Phil or uh, Alza Cross, any, any thoughts on this weird rule? Yeah, I have a few thoughts on it. Can you hear me? Yes, um, please. All right, good. The, uh, so first of all, the, the regulations or the attempted regulations just demonstrate a really clear lack of understanding of how Bitcoin is secured. So Bitcoin live in addresses. UTXOs, right? Little pieces of data that are stored in addresses tracked by the blockchain, which is the database of, you know, all of the transactions in Bitcoin's history. Now this database, it lives on computers, hundreds of thousands of computers all around the world. Um, now you can move Bitcoin if you control keys to the addresses, uh, but saying that, you know, you're securing funds offshore doesn't really make much sense if you're holding your keys because your Bitcoin is both onshore and offshore at the same time. You know, you can go to different locations with keys, but is that moving the Bitcoin? No, it's just moving the keys that control the Bitcoin, which already lives everywhere and nowhere. Uh, the other thing that, you know, it just ignores is this idea of multi-signature where you can have a single address, once again, tracked by the blockchain stored on computers all over the world uh, that is controlled by multiple keys. Now you can distribute multiple keys through different locations. And now both your Bitcoin lives everywhere and nowhere. And also the keys kind of live everywhere and nowhere. So it just doesn't really apply in the, the Bitcoin framework. Now, I think they're probably trying to, to your point, uh, crack down on exchanges. Um, that's a different story. And that's kind of why it's really important in my opinion to be taking control of your private keys. In indeed, indeed. Don't 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 leave your who the heck leaves their freaking coins on an exchange in Asia? Well, actually, probably plenty of Americans. A lot of people. <laughs> <A> lot of, <laughs> that's why they're going after this honeypot. 
Oh, you ignorant people. Come on. Azel Cross, any thoughts? Yeah, maybe a slightly contrarian position, but um, some of these borderline unenforceable regulations, I think, are probably good for Bitcoin in the long run um, because it just shines a spotlight on the absurdity of some of what they're doing and how it's just impossible to, to control some of this. Um, you know, you hear stories in Bitcoin. I want to say it's maybe Safening who talks about how in the early days of the automobile in England, they had a rule that when you're driving through town, you were limited to like three miles an hour and there had to be a guy walking in front of the car with a caution flag. And I'm guessing that that didn't end because a council of sages got together and decided they weren't going to do that, but because they just couldn't enforce it because people were just going to drive through town and what are you going to do about it? So I think you're going to see some stuff like this as Bitcoin goes on where it's like, this sounds good to people who don't know what they're talking about, but reality is people can just ignore it. And sooner or later, it just won't matter. The the car reference story, I believe that's Andreas Antonopoulos likes oh, to tell that one. I, I miscredited that. I'm sorry. Maybe Saifedean does too, but Andreas is... Uh, wrong part of the Mediterranean. All right. Pound that like button, everybody. Best freaking guest in the space here, baby. We're here every Friday. All right. Let's, let's talk about... Hey, and by the way, if you're watching this tape, play it at 2x. You'll get to the predictions and the 2020 highlights if you don't want to hear the recent news. But, hey, it's all interesting to me, baby. So let's move uh, back to uh, Brian to talk about another Brian, uh, a Coinbase. This was a weird one, uh, that uh, someone sued Coinbase uh, over Ripple. Uh, I linked to that. You read the article, right, Brian? Yeah, I read the article and I, and I read the complaint too. Um, it's pretty short, but you know, I think it was the, one of the attorneys over at Anderson Kill, uh, Stephen Pally. He's pretty active on Twitter. I mean, he made it like a very good point. The, the, the lawsuit number one is based on uh, "quote unquote" information and belief is is what's in the complaint. So they're making all these accusations, and what that effectively means is, you know, we we haven't proved this yet. Uh, we don't have necessarily proof of this yet, but we're hoping to find it when we sue you. And 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 oh, go ahead. And real quick, what's the go over the accusation again with with the crowd so people know? Uh, well, yeah, the it. accusation is that Coinbase uh, sold XRP. XRP is a security according to the SEC now, uh, and Coinbase knew or should have known that it was a security, and therefore they had under there's a they sued under a California business uh, re regulation, and and they're saying basically it's unfair business practices to to for Coinbase to get a commission for selling that XRP, which is a security when it was an unregistered security. And that they they had unfair competition and unfair advantage over other uh, exchanges and things like that. So they're attempting to they're also attempting to do it as a class action, which is you know what lawyers do to to sort of make money on these on these on these lawsuits because you get a thousand people or a hundred thousand people involved instead of one. The problem they're going to run into though is I read the Coinbase term the you know terms and conditions when you sign up and it specifically includes a class action waiver and an arbitration provision. So you know it's going to be tough to get a class action and uh, you know certified and make this a viable lawsuit. So I don't know. Maybe they're reaching. You know, I, I don't really know what they're trying to do, but um, it doesn't seem like a, a great lawsuit to me. Uh, at least, at least at this point. I don't like lawsuits at all. This one seems really frivolous to me. I I know a lot of people don't like Coinbase. A lot of people don't like Ripple. But just because I mean. They, they sold something that said it was a coin. They should have known it was a security. I mean, it hasn't really been – it hasn't lost its security case yet. I mean, it, it probably is going to be deemed a security. We can, we can talk about that. I, I don't know. I think this is just some lawyers looking for some money or fame. I, I, have, I have no idea. But uh, 
I, I, I'm glad you uh, you looked into that for for us, and uh, you don't think it'll uh, you, you don't think they'll win. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, I don't know if you you two guys you guys aren't lawyers. I don't know if you have anything to say about that one, um, or if you, if you even knew about that one at all. Phil. Well, yeah, my two sats are that all of these uh, exchanges that are listing uh, tons of different altcoins are just going to continue to run into these legal issues as, uh, you know, the SEC and all these other organizations catch up to the fact that essentially all of them are securities. Ripple was a pretty influential altcoin. Uh, and I've I've been saying the past couple of weeks that it inspired. So, you know, Brad Garlinghouse and the uh, Jed McCaleb launched Ripple. Um, very similar to the way that, you know, Vitalik Buterin and Joe Lubin launched Ethereum. Uh, it was it was pretty much copying the Ripple playbook. So at some point in time, I think most of these altcoins are going to run into legal issues unless they are, quote unquote, sufficiently decentralized. Um, and most of these altcoins, as we've seen, are centralizing over time. So is there an SEC hit list in 2021 on altcoins? There have been rumors about this. Uh, do you do you think some others are going to get are going to be taken to court also, Phil? Certainly, I, I have no idea which ones, but uh, they're they're picking off the easy ones first. Uh, at least that's what it looks like to me. I mean, Ripple was a pretty obvious uh, easy one to to target first, but yeah, I think I think all of them are are going to be um, you know investigated. Well, let's let's expand upon this. Uh, just uh, getting away from this, the, I think what is, what's what's a frivolous lawsuit here. Let's jump into SEC versus uh, XRP or Ripple or whatever you want to call it. Alex Cross, do you have any any thoughts on that? Will Will Ripple still be around at the end of the year? Yeah. Uh, will it be in the top ten still? I, I mean, it'll be around, but uh, it, it is amazing to me that there are people who are still still buying Ripple. I'll get my little alerts on my phone, like, oh, you know, XRP is up ten uh, percent. I don't know who the market is for this. Um, God bless them. Good luck to them. But I think twenty twenty one is going to be a year of decoupling the narrative of Bitcoin from a lot of these altcoins. Um, I'm hoping we will look back on this in a few years and look at it as absurdly that, you know, that we were so interested or following this stuff as, you know, the idea of gold bugs following penny stocks. Um, it's not the same thing. I think in the public mind, they're going to start understanding soon why Bitcoin is not the same thing as some of these other things, whether they are running some form of semi-legitimate blockchain or if it's just kind of cargo culting the whole thing. But um, these things are not Bitcoin and they should not be hopping onto Bitcoin's narrative. And I think reality is going to uh, number go up and, and some other factors are going to make that um, very, very clear going forward in 2021. Do you see other altcoins being taken down with lawsuits? Um, I, you know, I'm sure if it goes well with, with XRP, they're going to keep going. You know, the, the government is not known for saying like, oh, hey, we've gone far enough. Um, once, once they get started with something, they tend to keep rolling. So... I'm sure there will be others. I love it. They are a shield for Bitcoin in a way because yeah. they can't they can't sue sue the Bitcoin sue these and people are learning what centralized really is. If you've got an office, baby, you can be sued. And so uh, we'll, we'll we'll see who's next. Uh, so uh, Brian, we'll get, we'll now expand it to the broader uh, Ripple uh, show here, or what's going on with Ripple. What what is your take on the SEC suing Ripple and are are other altcoins uh, going to be uh, facing the Reaper soon? Right. So, yeah, you know, I'm not a securities lawyer, so I don't have any specific on the on the likelihood of any specific insight on the li likelihood of it being a security. Although I think, you know, from what I've read and what we've all read, 
it looks like a security quite, quite a bit, but that's just sort of more from a layman's perspective. One of the things that really um, stuck out to me in this lawsuit as I read it, though, is that they're suing Garlinghouse and Larson individually. And they allege in the complaint that they, they profited about $600 million from selling Ripple up front while simultaneously saying that they were, quote, very long on XRP. And so that's, that is a significant you know, step for the SEC to go after the individual you know, sort of uh, proprietors or whoever started the, the, uh, the coin. And you know, it has implications for other, other uh, coins and the, you know, the people and the personalities behind them you know, whether you're, you're uh, uh, what's his name, fake Toshi and, 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 and the other guy with him, uh, or whether you're, you know, Vitalik and, and uh, Joe Lubin on the Ethereum side, the, you know, these are, these are personalities who made their money and made their, uh, made their reputation on doing, I'm not saying that's the same thing, but doing similar things uh, that, that the, these folks in Ripple are being accused of now. And if I'm them, you know, it's, it's got to be concerning because this is the SEC going after individuals who, who they can find and uh, punish. It, it does seem like they already left. They, they gave Ethereum a pass. Ethereum works some magic on these dudes because they've been deemed not a security, just like Bitcoin. So I, well, I mean, I, I mean yeah, well, that was with the sufficient decentralization, uh, you know, a buzzword that, you know, they, they said, but from what I understand, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but that, that runs both ways. And once you achieve sufficient decentralization, it's not in perpetuity, like it can go backwards. And so if you suddenly centralize after being sufficiently decentralized, you're, you're not safe anymore. So uh, that's something that that's very, you know, that they need to be on the lookout for. And I, and I, I should certainly hope that they are. Whoa, dude, that you just blew my mind on that one. Going backwards, becoming centralized, because and, and Ethereum is changing things up. Uh, you know, they, they someone over there has a power from go to go to uh, to command it to go from a proof of work to proof of stake. That's uh, mm -hmm. some centralization. Anyway, I I I, I don't I want to I want to vomit when I hear about the government uh, trying to, to to get into all this stuff. Anyway, uh, I'm of the, I, I just don't I don't like Ripple or whatever. I'm not, I I know what it is. It's not even a freaking cryptocurrency. But I think it's uh, I don't like that the government messes with it and. Uh, uh, but at, at this point, if you have a brain, why are you who are these people that are buying it still? I mean, mm -hmm. the, the other shoe has not dropped yet. Um, I, I think we're it's in for some bad, uh, bad dumpages. Uh, so uh, why, why gamble? Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin, people. Pound that like button. OK, before we leave the altcoin realm uh, behind, uh, do, do, do any of you, uh, Phil or Al, have anything else to say about uh, Ripple or all these shenanigans with with the government interfering. Just I think so that you can probably get a lot of uh, a lot of percentage of Theranos right now for a good deal too. If that's if that's what you want to do, so go ahead. I heard Enron stock is really cheap yeah. these days. Um, yeah, I think I think instead of uh, you know focusing all our time and energy on all these altcoins and there's infinite altcoins, um, if you really want you know exposure to a different asset, convert your Bitcoin to satoshis. You know. Damn, pound that yeah. like button. <laughs> Explain right. it to Francis Coppola, but uh... <laughs> yeah, we're not going to oh, talk about sure. the dividing the pizza thing. She, we're not giving her that attention. That's a, she. She's trying to get attention. So obvious. All right. Um, so we're we're, we're going to move to the FinCEN noise, the the FinCEN noise that we're familiar with, and uh, here this is from Jerry Brito. I am happy to report. That a somebody mute themselves. I'm echoing on somebody's there. 
echoing on someone's. Uh, I'm happy to report that a bipartisan group of members of Congress just sent a letter to Secretary Mnuchin calling out the Treasury's rushed crypto rulemaking and urging him to extend the comment period to 60 days. Okay, and also Brian Armstrong has uh, written a letter. Obviously, Coinbase does not like this this regulation on wallets because it's a lot more work for them. I I think it's ridiculous. I I don't really get why Mnuchin is doing this when he's going to be – he's not going to have a job uh, soon and there's going to be a new administration. Uh, so, I, I, Brian, you mentioned the commenting period and everything. What What is the latest on this and what people can do and your, your latest take on uh, the possible regulation of uh, wallets? Uh, well, third parties having to report where the wallet's going. It's so ridiculous. Take it away, Brian. Yeah. Um, so the I think the comment period is about to finish up. I think there's maybe a couple more days left. Uh, but the good news is there have been a lot of, you know, large entities and, and, and people with some, uh, you know, good lawyer, like law teams and everything, um, making the making the effort and doing the comment period and everything. So that's that's good. You know, it's not going un, un uh, you know, unaddressed. But the problem is they gave us 15 days. And in the in the administrative law world, that's very small. You know, it should be at least 60 days, maybe 90 days so that people have time to adequately address all of this stuff, because. These things are massive. Even even the proposed rule is like, you know, it's only 70 pages or whatever. But after that, you know, they they add more to it. That doesn't mean just because they put a proposed rule out that it's going to be exactly the same uh, as the finished product. And so it's good that we have people commenting on it. But one of the things that, you know, there's two things for me with the with the FinCEN rule that stood out initially. First is the 15 day period could make it unlawful and unconstitutional, uh, you know, from the get go. And so even if they do go ahead and make this regulation down the road, it'll be challenged in courts and hopefully struck down by those courts because agencies cannot just go out and make these regulatory uh, decisions without public comment because, you know, they're not a law unto themselves. And so the Constitution has separation of powers. Uh, They're not the legislature. They're sort of a hybrid legislative, executive and judicial uh, fourth fourth branch of government. But um, that's why we have these safeguards in. So my hope would be that if it does pass or if it does go through, it gets struck down later. Um, but, you know, and, and on the on the uh, substance of the rule, you know, the, the, the stated goal is, you know, stopping terrorism, you know, yada, 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 all, all the same, you know, save the babies and, and stuff. Um, but the 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 actual effect is, is, is it's got to be close to nothing, because basically when you take you already KYC in the U.S. on these exchanges anyway. Uh, when you take your coins off uh, you, and you put them in a private storage or you send them to somebody, um, you, it, that step has been KYC'd. So now they're saying, oh, you've also got to KYC the private wallet and tell, tell us where that wallet is and who owns it. Um, so then you do that. Let's just say that we do that. Then they just, it's one more step to another private wallet that doesn't have to be KYC'd. I, I, I don't, there's no actual, the, the net effect is nothing if you get another private wallet. It doesn't help you to KYC people one more time once you've already when you've already KYC them. So I, I don't see the the purpose of it. And what I worry about is that that people are going to get. Uh, and I've already heard people talk about, well, you know, if, if I just do three thousand dollars a day, you know, no big deal. Um, I, I can get my Bitcoin off. But they specifically build into the rule something called an anti-structuring provision, where if you if you do that, if you do uh, 3000 bucks a day every day for a month to get your Bitcoin off and not have to report, 
that's that violates the regulation. And, and, and then Coinbase and the other exchanges are obligated to report that the activity. And you can, uh, you know, find yourself in violation of law and have fines, uh, et cetera, for doing that. And so what it's going to end up doing is not ha- not a, not accomplish its purpose because it's stupid and doesn't it's just one extra step and then ensnare otherwise law abiding people into criminal behavior. Who, baby, I, 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 you, you summed it up real nice there. Uh, I, I, I'm going to say I, I have faith in uh, future future lawsuits that will strike this down because this is unconstitutional. That we're only we, we're only given this short period of time to comment on it. What the heck is going on in this dark country? Uh, Filler, Al, and any thoughts? I think, uh, I mean, I think Brian said it really well. The the law, again, just makes no sense. And it has, it just demonstrates a clear lack of understanding of how Bitcoin works and how people are using it today. Uh, I think one of the best responses I've heard to the uh, the proposed regulations is actually from Ben Davenport from BitGo. Uh, he, he went through and broke down the, uh, the regulation very clearly and explained in great detail how it just doesn't make sense. Um, but it's also interesting, you know, from the perspective of um, like Unchained Capital, which is my employer, like how, how would that work for us uh, since we at no point in time are transferring money on behalf of clients? We have one key that we can use to sign a part of a transaction, but it's always up to our clients to actually sign transactions with their keys and then broadcast it to the network. So we've been following them, the regulation very closely and uh, we feel that it you know, doesn't really make sense for uh, most Bitcoin users and it's it kind of misses the point. And of course, just like what what Brian said, you know, it it's going to entrap honest people and criminals are going to be criminals. So it's another example where uh, they're just missing the mark due to, I think, a lack of understanding of how Bitcoin works. Now, 2021 is going to be filled with some fake news. I know that. But are, are we going to be filled with a lot of regulation talk too? Is this just the tip of the iceberg or is there going to be more insane proposed regulations out there, Phil, do you think? Well, Bitcoin can't be banned, but governments and uh, regulators are certainly going to do their best to attempt to ban it, I think, or try to, you know, regulate it out of out of use. But the problem is, is that most Bitcoin today that exist, so out of the, you know, 18 and a half or 19 million Bitcoin that are out there, already about 70% of the uh, Bitcoin that still that hasn't been lost is held by private keys. So, you know, they can regulate newcomers, but most of the Bitcoin network is already beyond, you know, their their ability to regulate in that way. All right. Uh, Al, Al's lacrosse on uh, the, the free wallet regulations. Is this the year of uh, government interference coming up? What's your take? Oh, you're muted. Un- unmute. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, they'll always try. But, you know, the, the summary on, on my thoughts on that is pointless regulations in this sort of technological environment is just fertile ground for, you know, the United States has a long history of nonviolent civil disobedience. Um, and I would never recommend anyone do that. But, you know, there is there is that reality. Um, pointless rules that technologically have a lot of workarounds. And uh, you can always go to another jurisdiction. People, uh, yeah. the, the productive people can leave the United States and go to a place where uh, they, they don't have to worry about all of this. But the, there are plenty of workarounds right now. I mean, it, just don't don't deal with the third parties uh, holding your Bitcoin and whatnot, and you'll be uh, 
They, they can't, if you control your own private key, they cannot stop you, baby. Unconfiscatable, unfreaking censorable. All right, let's move to the uh, the fun part, really fun part of the show here, and uh, talk about the year that was, and then we'll, we'll talk about uh, predictions also. I'm making sure there were no other uh, stories that were left off. All right, we'll start with uh, Phil on this. What was, and um, someone's got to mute themselves because again, I'm getting that echo. It might be uh, it might be coming from you, Al. I think. All right, but Phil, what's your what's your take on uh, what, were, what was the biggest story of 2020 for you? or some, some themes you want to talk about? Wow, there were so many big things that came out of 2020. Uh, I think, you know, for me, some of the, the biggest things that happened this year was really the Federal Reserve just printing their brains out. Uh, I read a statistic that about 40%, maybe I think it's now up to 35, 37% of all US dollars that have ever existed were printed this year, which is just pure insanity. And in a world where the dollar is infinite, according to the president of you know the Minneapolis Fed, and Bitcoin is scarce uh, with a fixed supply of 21 million, uh, we're going to see some some pretty serious and significant price moves. So that's what we've seen so far in 2020. Uh, 2021. I mean, I think for this cycle in Bitcoin, thirty thousand dollars is just getting started. I don't. I. I you know, fully expect. And I think maybe the first time I ever came on your show was when there was a thousand dollar price move. Um, and I was saying Honey Badger was just, you know, stretching during hibernation at $30,000 Bitcoin. I still think that uh, the Honey Badger is just kind of rolling over a little bit. We're going to be seeing some $10,000 daily candles over the course of the next few years. Pound that like button. You read my freaking mind. I was about to ask you, when are we going to get the $10,000 candle? I didn't even have to ask it, man. We're on the same wavelength there. Oh, yeah, that was darn good. Hey, I would have, uh, before we go to Al and his uh, highlights of, of the year and perhaps what we, we can expect here in uh, 2021, I want to read a comment that I should have left. Uh, uh, well, first of all, uh, you know, Surfer Jim has a big shout, shout out to everybody. Um, he says, Happy New Year to all from Surfer Jim. Thanks to Al, Dirtbag Fridays is the uh, go-to hipster Bitcoin virtual place to be if you can't hang together in real life. So uh, Appreciate it, Jim. Yeah, yeah. That, I just wanted to put that out there. And, and also, uh, who's buying the Ripple? I, I, I put that question out there. And SPG says, people buying XRP is real vision crypto subscribers. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know, man. That that might be the case. You know, you, you're, you're paying for Raul Paul to, to wait. Uh, only for real Vision Pro subscribers. Raul says buy the dip. Oh my God! Did he really say to buy Ripple to his people who pay him money? To, uh, I, I I don't know. I, I don't. I'm not confirming that. But if he did, that's horrible. That's that's terrible. Bitcoin is why diversification for the sake of diversification is horrible. But Raul seems to be one of those guys that has to have a quote unquote crypto portfolio. And he actually did defend XRP on Twitter at one point. But hey, he can say what he wants to say. All right. So, uh, Al, uh, what, 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 what was your biggest story of uh, 2020? Yeah. And uh, so tell us about 2020. It, it was the year that the narrative really accelerated. Um, a lot of this is things that we have said for years is going to happen. But a lot of this was stuff we looked at as being, well, 10 years from now, we're going to hit a point. And 10 years from now became this year. Um, it was a really hard year for a lot of people. And I almost feel guilty saying this, but in some ways it was a great year for, for me and for other Bitcoiners. 
Um, Dirtbag Friday, to continue with what Jim just said, that started because of COVID. I don't think it would be what it was without lockdown. Um, people stopped going out on Friday night, so we had something to do. And it became, um, it's become something really special. You know, we have our, our core group of people who come every week um, and other people who hop in and out, but it's a place for people to meet, to get together, share ideas. Um, we have done some more formal lectures um, and you're seeing people's lives change because of it. I mean, there, I, I know people who have gotten jobs they have because of contacts they've made through there. Um, so it's a really fantastic thing to see that grow and really, uh, you know, it's going to have a big impact on this space, I think, as, as time goes forward. And, and I'm not saying that's a brag, you know, it's, it's everybody else that really makes it what it is. But there are a lot of people who are going to have a big impact on the world who, who met because of Dirtbag Friday. And that's a great thing. Do not be modest here. This is the golden age. It has been a great year. You guys didn't just sit there and cry. You made something awesome. There, awesome. There's been so much opportunity. There are jobs out there. I have dudes begging me to post their jobs and, and people don't even reply. I mean, a lot of people are down and out. Don't be down and out. This was the best year of my freaking life, okay? It was I mean, it, amazing price increase, my wealth. I mean, this is it's been so exciting. And there's we you should we should say it proud and loud. So people get out of this darn trance that they're in, this doom, this doom trance. By the way, I do want to point out to people watching this in the future, Bitcoin got it. It's like another day, another all-time high. We got another all-time high last night. It was like 29,600. We have not hit 30,000 yet for you people in the future who are laughing your butts off at how small the price is compared to where you are right now. God bless you. Okay, take go. go. Sorry to, to interrupt you, Al, there. Sorry. Oh, no, no. Um, I, you know, I agree with all that. I think we are just getting started. Um, we're seeing the things, like I said, that we predicted would happen are coming true, whether it's Sailor and everybody who's going to be like Sailor. I mean, someday he may, we may look at him as a small fish compared to some of the moves that people are going to make in Bitcoin. Um, you know, you'll, you'll get Apple and Google and Elon Musk and everybody just, well, Elon's on the verge of it anyway, thanks to Sailor, of publicly, um, you know, announcing their support. But yeah, 30,000 is just the beginning. I mean, this is, you know, we've, we've debated for a long time whether we're crazy or whether this is really happening. And it's, it's really happening. We are, we are at the very, very early stages. It's it's really happening. That sums it up so much. Like I have to like like think of that all the time. This is really happening. Everything that we've been freaking talking about, the, me saying strong hand twenty twenty, it's really freaking happening. I was right. It's so awesome, dude. And I I want to thank uh, Daniel Sternthal. Thanks for all your content. I've been listening for years. Strong hand. Well, you, I hope you're doing darn well. If you've been listening and paying attention, I've been predicting it for a while. Man, we were talking about $600 Bitcoin and how happy we were that it just got to 700 on Halloween of 2016. And now we're talking about 30. This is unbelievable. Here's a coconut. Eat healthy. All right. Let's uh, let, let's go to uh, Brian and your, uh, your big stories of, of 2020. Uh, yeah, actually, it's um, my, my brother and I were talking about this the other day, and uh, I, I was originally saying, you know, I mean, obviously you had the having and everything, the technicals playing out just as, as they should, TikTok, next block, amazing stuff. I mean, that, that is really amazing stuff, but the, uh, the that's all happened before, and, you know, I said, you know, Sailor's institutional buy of that, you know, is, is of his $500 million in cash on hand, they put like 425 in, that was what I, I had argued was maybe the most significant um, moment of 2020 because it, it basically it was all Bitcoin 
and it it showed other publicly traded companies that they could do this too. You know, you have a you have someone to point to and say, look, it's been done. But then my brother and I were talking, and he, he mentioned the uh, the six hundred and twenty five convertible note six hundred twenty five million convertible debt uh, sale, uh, and that was was I I think now that is truly the most significant event of twenty of twenty twenty. That showed that 2020 was the year the speculative attack on the dollar happened uh, and began. And uh, Sailor and MicroStrategy, and it's, it's, at this point, there's only there's so few companies that can pull that off because, you know, you've got board directors, you've got shareholders to answer to and everything. Uh, but Sailor's been in this company for, you know, 30, 30 years or so. So he has the sway and the ability and the uh, buy-in to be able to do it. And he said, if you're if he, he, he's looked at the United States government and said, if you're going to give us the interest rates that you're giving us, if you're going to print the money to the degree that you're doing it, I'm going to play that game and I'm going to beat you at it. And that's what this is. And that was the big event of 2020 for me. Yeah, I agree. Pound that like button. You, you, you hit the nail on the head. It, for me, it started in August. I went crazy when I heard that the MicroStrategy was doing this. But what you just said about the convertible, the, the debt, the notes and all that, 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 that's huge also. Speculative attack on the dollar. He's a smart freaking dude. And to go back what what, what Al said, um, yes, if Elon Musk actually got, and Andy Hoffman pointed this out too, if Elon Musk Actually, if he buys Bitcoin, if he says, "I just bought a bunch of Bitcoin," then yeah, we won't need uh, uh, we won't need Michael Saylor anymore. It'll be a thing of the past. I mean, everyone it, uh, that'll be just a whole new level. But Michael Saylor has well, huge, huge a player, huge. Uh, but yeah, one day we will look back, and he won't be a huge player anymore. And that's just the evolution. But he's he's serving his role, and he's getting rich off of it. Good for him for being productive, and good for him for being a target. For all these envious people to try to write articles about him from 1989, totally insane. All right, now so let's let's get to some bold. Uh, like people love, I I don't like to make big predictions and all that, uh, but people love this, and it is New Year's Day, so let's hear some uh, 2021 predictions, uh, Phil. Well, I had a good uh, New Year's Eve. You know, had some had some scotch, uh, 14 year age scotch, and so I th I'm feeling. Feeling a little generous today, and uh, I'm going to say that VJ Boyapati's prediction of three hundred twenty-five thousand dollars Bitcoin—it's too bearish for me. Oh, oh, pound that like button, man! That is uh, that is insane. Um, we, I'm going to make a quick. I'm, I'll make a quick prediction just to calm everyone down. Um, we will. We'll get a big. It, it, there will be a big number. But remember, and it probably will happen in October of this year. We'll get our all-time high. Uh, the last all-time high of the year will be in October, but and and I still think 2022. I, I don't want to get people you know get people down. Um, it will somewhat resemble 2018, but uh, right now the price that we're at, we're not even at thirty thousand. As low the the low dip of 2022 will definitely be higher than where we are right now. So yeah, we're gonna it. we're gonna crash about eighty percent to you know sixty five seventy thousand dollar yeah. Bitcoin. Um, and you know there's gonna be articles written and you know people going on mainstream media talking about the death of Bitcoin. But uh, you know everyone watching this show that's been holding now for a few years, uh, we're gonna be so far in the green that uh, you know maybe at that point we start thinking about if we want to buy these uh, mainstream media news outlets, um, then we can just kind of control the narrative a little bit better. Oh, I love Euro Pacific it. Capital, can we buy them? Speaking of guys <laughs> you like to highlight, let's buy Euro Pacific Capital. That, that, that's that's <laughs> the goal of 2021. Yeah, I, I will say. 
I, that number that you mentioned too crashed down to sixty thousand. I wouldn't be surprised if that's where it crashes down. If it, if we get to the six digit realm, and uh, but then in twenty twenty two, there's a massive uh, crash down the down to sixty thousand. And again, reminder to the future people watching this: we're not even at thirty yet. So uh, yeah, it'll be a, a devastating crash down to sixty k. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, for some people, I mean, pl plenty of people will be saying that is the end of Bitcoin. It is so horrible. You know, it was it was it was over a hundred thousand, and now it's only sixty thousand. Oh, what pathetic Bitcoin! Oh, God, come on, put it in perspective, people. We're getting you ready for the future. Strong hand, people. Strong hand. All right, Al's across predictions. Yeah, I, I think we're going to get deep into the six figures. Um, I also think we may see not the end of cycles, but I think the pattern of cycles that we become used to, you, we may find that altering. Um, a lot of what's going to drive this cycle is not your cousin who heard about Bitcoin, bought some, and then when it dropped $100, sold it all the next day, um, the Davy Day trader move. Um, it's going to be the Michael Saylors who are buying massive amounts and they understand that they're in this for the long run. So this cycle may get very interesting. You may see that double pump, um, the crash, the, the drawdown may not be what it was in previous cycles at all, because they're going to understand the use case for Bitcoin. And like I was saying earlier, with, with what's happened under COVID and the economy, um, the, the world has made that use case for us. It's no longer a hypothetical. We're not talking theoretical anymore. You have people who've never thought a minute in their lives about where does money come from? Who are asking, well, how can they just print all this? What does that mean about money? Um, they're doing our narrative work for us. So this could be a very different cycle than what we've seen in the past. Hey man, I, I would love to be wrong about 2022. I would love this, to, I would love it to be the end of these traditional cycles where we gotta have a, a big uh, hyper year and then a big, uh, de the manic depressive cycle or whatever you wanna call it. I would love it. Anders, who was on the show, I think last week said the same. He said he doesn't think there's gonna be a bear market ever again. I'm just trying to keep everybody calm here just to be ready you know, for worst case situations, but enjoy this freaking year, dude, because this is 2017 all over again, baby. All right, uh, and maybe uh, 2017 to the 10th power. Let's, let's do that. Brian, any, any big predictions? Um, it sort of ties into uh, my point about Sailor doing the convertible note. Um, I think that 2021 is one of the big things about the convertible debt, uh, convertible note debt sale is that um, fixed income, the $100 trillion money pool from fixed income can can uh, but purchase that debt. So they can get a Bitcoin proxy through purchasing that debt. And when other companies start doing that, the fixed income world, that $100 trillion pool of money is going to say, oh, I want, I want those Bitcoin proxies because they, they, they are a big ship and they are difficult to turn. So they, you know, they, it takes years to get the fixed income folks to be able to, you know, you, you pitch it to your, your people, you can get Bitcoin maybe three or four years later. But this gives people 2021 will be the year where fixed income buys the Bitcoin proxies and these companies buy the Bitcoin directly just in the same way Sailor does. So if my prediction for 2021 is fixed income comes in in a big way indirectly for now. Um, but nevertheless, they will they will buttress the price of Bitcoin uh, significantly because they'll be buying the Bitcoin proxies that are in the form of what you know Elon Musk and maybe Tim Cook do down the road by buying the Bitcoin directly and then offering that stuff to their fixed income friends over there ah the financialization the complication aren't you guys glad you got in the bitcoin before all this stuff happened we just bought it and hold it and baby all right let, can i just let, say one thing 
Yes, please. Yeah. So just to summarize, I think what these two guys are saying is if you're selling your Bitcoin right now, you're selling your Bitcoin to multi, multi billionaires or <laughs> these massive, massive institutional funds with far more resources than you. Let's make those funds work for our Satoshis. Let's front run them. Don't sell. Don't sell at 30K. Yeah. If you, if you made it here now, congratulations. Don't, don't bug out yet. I mean, it's about to get, it's about to get real fun. Yeah. I, I, I don't get it either. Why uh, these regular Joe Schmo guys that have, have done pretty well for themselves, uh, they, they're willing to bail now and just see the rich get richer. Because there are a lot of dudes in Bitcoin, they don't, they don't like these big banks and whatever. But dude, if you're going you're to end up selling to them. I mean, it's, it's hilarious. It's absolutely, I hate Wells Fargo. I hate Bank of America. And then you sell your Bitcoin and they buy it. And they become even super duper rich at that point. But hey, do what you're going to do, dudes. I, I've been warning about it for some time. Strong freaking hand. Notorious BTC. All right, so uh, we, we're getting toward the end of the show, but there was one, uh, there was a, one other news story that, that was out there this week that we have some time for. And I, I, I much respect to Russell Oakham. He's been saying for a while for the NFL, pay me in Bitcoin. And some stories came out, and the mainstream media really picked up on this. And instead of writing about all-time highs and how like individuals out there, you should get into Bitcoin now, they're like NFL player getting paid in Bitcoin. And he kind of is, but he really isn't. Uh, he, he's using some lightning service. And for me, the bigger story was, you know, more than a year ago when he wants to be paid in Bitcoin. And the bigger story for me is that this dude it wants to be on ESPN to talk about Bitcoin. I, I, he's not really being paid in Bitcoin. He's being paid and then he's turning it into Bitcoin. And he, I hope he's been doing that all along. So, uh, Brian, do you have any thoughts? I mean, you brought up the Russell thing to me uh, on Twitter. Any, any thoughts on the story? Yeah, yeah. Part of my practice is an employment lawyer. So this sort of piqued my interest a little bit when I heard about it. Um, but yeah, so back in 2019, October 2019, I wrote an article for Bitcoin Magazine about the difficulties in being paid in Bitcoin uh, directly, you know, through the Bitcoin Rails payment system. There's there's a lot of hurdles that you have to overcome. There's uh, taxable events. Uh, there's there's trouble for the employer and the employee. It's just it's a it's a very difficult move. Um, and in many cases, it may be violating state law because, uh, you know, certain states like Pennsylvania, for example, uh, requires that their employees, if you're an employee, you get paid, you have to be paid in US dollars, you know, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So it's, it's, um, it, it, I was concerned about how someone, how companies might be able to do this. But what Jack Maulers did over there with this LN strike app is really interesting. I mean, I, I was always aware that you could, you know, pay people in dollars and have it immediately converted into Bitcoin for like a one or 2% fee or whatever. Um, that's always been, that's long been a possibility. Um, but with the, the, the LN zap, I think it's really like it's almost instantaneous and the fees are even lower than this sort of one or two percent fee. Um, and so it's it's a very clever way to get Bitcoin. Like, that way you don't not, you don't have to get paid in you know dollars and then go to an exchange and spend 40 bucks to buy. You know, if you're a Kung, um, you know, a million bucks worth of Bitcoin, you got to spend. I don't know. God knows how much the fee is on that. Um, but it's probably pretty impressive, impressively high. So what they did with this, with, with, with Jack and this partnership is very, very creative way to get Bitcoin directly into your pocket as a part of your paycheck and avoid those hurdles that I was concerned about when writing that article um, regarding taxes and the Fair Labor Standards Act and then the accompanying state laws. So it's very creative and hats off to them. 
it's 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 called Lightning Network Zap. What's it called again? I think so. LN Zap. They call it LN Zap. Something like it. Strike, All right, uh, strike. Uh, uh, yeah, Zap yeah. was the wallet. I think. Okay, Al, your any any thoughts on Russell? Yeah, it's it's just another case of reality sort of precedes regulatory reality. Sometimes um, people are going to want the hardest money, and the only people who don't want the hardest money are people who don't understand what hard money is, or in some way have uh, you know a rent seeking opportunity where they can benefit from from money printer going burr. Um, you know, he happens to be a highly educated on Bitcoin and be in a position where he's making a ton of money. So that's why we're talking about him. Um, I hope a lot of people follow his lead. But yeah, who who would not want the hardest money that's ever been created? Um, and number go up is, you know, it's a meme, it's a joke, but it's also very true. Um, I think a lot of people he knows in the NFL are going to watch what happens as number goes up. And what he got paid a month ago suddenly is worth a hell of a lot more than what he got paid a month ago. And they're going to start saying, how can I get in on that? And why wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. I, I love to reach out to the NFL players. They got money to blow and do they blow it on some ridiculous things. So, all right. Now, Phil, your take on Russ uh, and uh, talk about, uh, we're, since we're at the end of the show, talk about what you guys are doing down there in Austin uh, with the Unchained, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And conclusionary thoughts. Sounds good. Well, once again, thanks so much for having me on the show. Um, my my two cents on on Russell O'Kong is uh, I don't like to differentiate whether he's literally being like transferred Bitcoin or he's receiving U.S. dollars and immediately converting it to Bitcoin. I view those as uh, essentially the same thing. He's being paid in Bitcoin, or what he's ultimately receiving is Bitcoin, and so therefore, I think. You know, maybe there's a hop along the way, but that's just the transitional period that we're that we're, we're all finding ourselves in as Bitcoin, you know, ascends to global monetary status. So yeah, you have to make some hops uh, somewhere. But in my view, he's he's being paid in Bitcoin. Half of his salary is going to Bitcoin. And uh, I made kind of a, a snarky comment underneath it. Uh, I think Sports Center uh, tweeted about uh, Okung being paid in Bitcoin, and I said. Next year's update is Russell O'Kung is purchasing the NFL with his one year of Bitcoin savings. So uh, I, I think he's made the right decision. And, you know, just like with Michael Saylor and MicroStrategy, we've seen multiple companies follow in their footsteps. We're going to see other sports players and celebrities follow in Russell O'Kung's footsteps. Uh, pivoting a little bit at Unchained Capital, uh, we were working on some big things in, in 2021. We had a, a really stellar 2020. So we're helping individuals and businesses secure their own private keys uh, for personal use, for retirement use cases, and for you know your business use cases. Uh, and we're doing this all through native multi-signature where clients hold keys. So we have a concierge program where if you have been sitting on the fence waiting to learn about multi-sig, uh, our concierge team will take you from beginner to expert. Uh, I say that if you've used hardware wallets before in the past for single signature, you'll be able to understand multi-signature. There's just a few key things that you need to learn. And then once you secure your funds in multi-signature, it's unlikely that you'll ever wanna secure your funds in single signature again. So it's kind of a one direction uh, movement, I think, in my experience. But yeah, you can find us on our website, unchained-capital.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Phil underscore Geiger, or you can email me at Phil at unchained-capital.com. 
You guys are multi-sig revolutionaries. Very good job. Pound that like button. Remember, all of these guys are linked to below. I gave all their Twitter, and I gave Brian's parlor, because those of you who've been watching my uh, videos lately know that I'm so I'm frustrated with all of the uh, main uh, social media dudes out there. I'm on parlor. I'm on other places. So my guests who are on alternative platforms, I give out their alternative platforms, too. Let's Try to visit BitChute. Try to watch this on BitChute. Try to go to Parlor too. Brian, what do you what do you have to say? Conclusionary thoughts, uh, news that was forgotten. Anything you want to bring up? What What are you doing? Uh, unmute. You're muted. Okay, go. Yeah, you're muted still. I think you're muted. Can you guys hear him? Can we can lost you, Brian? You lost Brian. All right. Wait, he's there though. Un un unmute yourself, Brian. Come on, baby. All right, we'll go to Al Al's conclusionary thoughts, then we'll get back to Brian. Sure. Yeah, um, just very bullish. Um, you know, not just on Bitcoin, but but Bitcoiners themselves. Um, I continue to be impressed all the time by uh, by people in this space. Um, it's a privilege to hang around them. Um, some of the smartest people I know, not just in terms of raw brain power. But, um, you know, they take a holistic view of all the different components that go into this and into the world. And you really get fantastic perspectives from people. Um, I am uh, recently moved um, to a more Bitcoin and freedom friendly state. Um, so I'll be attending a lot of uh, Bitcoin meetups going forward. It's going to be great. Um, I think Awesome Bit Devs this or, uh, in January is going to have uh, some special guests. Um, I know personally of three or four people who are flying from out of state who uh, you'd be familiar with. Um, but it's it's going to be a great time. Um, if anyone's interested in Dirtbag Friday, my DMs are open on Twitter. Got, uh, you know, the, the best meetup in the space. Great Telegram. It is never not fun on, the, on our Telegram group and informative. Um, and I'm just bullish on Bitcoiners. Um, there are people who I think will be with me for the rest of my life. And that's an amazing thing. All right, this is 2021 is on fire already, baby. All right, Brian, you got two minutes. Wrap it all up. Am I back us. on? Yes, you are, baby. Okay, thank God. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, on, on my end, uh, my firm will be, well, at my behest, we'll be launching a Bitcoin-focused practice group, um, and we want to basically cater to Bitcoin companies. Uh, we have a we have a very large firm, 200 attorneys, 250 attorneys spread out across the country. We're hubbed in Atlanta, but... Um, you know, we want to be able to cater to Bitcoin focused companies. So if you're an exchange, what have you, you're a Bitcoin T-shirt company, we want to help you out. You got employees, you got tax issues, you got mergers issues. Um, we handled all corporate issues. So um, that will be coming out in the next few, rolling out in the next month or two. And, uh, you know, I'll give you an update, uh, Adam, when it happens. But we're we're trying to get the I know it's not the sexy side of Bitcoin, but it's a necessary side. So uh, we'll be providing the service for Bitcoin. You, you are in motion. We need legal people. We need marketing people. You don't have to be some tech dude to be in the Bitcoin space. Anyone. Can, this is the land of freaking opportunity. Brian, anything else? I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Not at all. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to be on the show. Dude, again. Thank you, all three rocking guests. Best freaking guests in the space. I bring you every freaking Friday. Pound that like button. I'm Adam Meister, Bitcoin Meister, this is Rob Meister. And uh, Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Happy New Year. 2020 was awesome. 2021 is going to be better. It is a privilege to be alive here. We are Bitcoin privileged, baby. Live life. Go outside. Be healthy. Thank you, everybody. Pound that like button. See you. Shabbat shalom. All right. Thank you.
All right. That's 